Well, hey, family who's excited to be in church this morning. Anybody excited this weekend? I'm so thankful. My name is Katie Walters. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm so thankful to continue our study in the book of Colossians this morning. You know, I wanna give a shout out to our campuses who are joining us all over North and South Carolina. Sometimes I think we can forget that we are one family and we have family members in all these other cities because we're not always together. But I will tell you something that will help you remember our campuses and how much friends we have all over North and South Carolina is when your husband decides at the end of a long road trip with six children to pick up a 400 pound piano that is free off of Craigslist in Columbia. You know you have some friends in some other cities, you know what I'm saying? Thank you to Columbia campus who met us there on the side of the road, loaded up that massive piano. Um, we love you guys and we're so glad that you're joining us or if you're joining us online, wherever you happen to be, it's gonna be an awesome weekend in church. So I told you we're in the series called Colossians and this week we're gonna continue on with chapter two. You know, last week, Pastor Greg talked to us a lot about Colossians chapter one, and he gave us some background for this book of the Bible. There's only four chapters in the book of Colossians. So it's a short, easy read, and he actually challenged us as a family to read through it, to take a 30-day challenge to read through this book. And so this week, we're gonna be in chapter two. I would love it if you all would join our families doing it, if you just wanna pick up in Colossians chapter two and read it throughout the week. But during this course of this book, you know, Paul is writing a letter to the church of the Colossians. He's writing this letter from prison. And this church has been planted and he's actually never been there to visit them yet. And when they first believed the message of the gospel, the message of the good news about Jesus, um, they had this firm foundation that they were walking in. But over time, they started adding some things to their belief. They started adding different things that they needed to do, striving some different behaviors. And so Paul uses this book to call them back to the beginning, to call them back to what they believe, what they need to know, their foundation of faith, and then to allow them to live in fullness and in freedom after that. So that's what we're gonna be looking at today in Colossians 2, and it is my prayer that God is just gonna depart something to us this weekend that is gonna allow us to also go back to the beginning and maybe walk out of here a little more full, a little more free this weekend. So we all pray with me before we get started. Jesus, we love you so much. And we just say right now this morning that Jesus, you plus nothing equals everything. You plus nothing equals everything. And I know so often in my own life, I start to add things to that equation. And Lord, I just ask that you use this book um, to draw us back to the heart of your message, to the fact that you love us so much. Come and do with your Holy Spirit power more this morning than just words. Come and meet us here. We've come to be with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Colossians 2, some scholars titled this message, The Heart of Christianity. And you know, I've told you that it's going back to the things that you believe. And how about you? Have, do you ever have anything that you believe and then you act on it? It can be a small thing or a big thing. I feel like I do this a lot in my own life with food. Like for instance, do you ever tell your, carrot, your kids like, hey, you need to eat those carrots because they're good for your eyes? Like I always tell them this and somewhere deep inside, I think I really believe if I grab a couple more carrots, it's gonna help my eyesight. Like I have this belief about carrots. Or how about gas station food? Like I have a belief 
that if it is being cooked in a gas station, if it's a hot dog, hamburger, taquito, I don't know, it's rolling in a gas station, it is not supposed to come in my body. It is just a deep belief I hold. I'm like, no, I'm not touching that. But if you put me on a field all day at a sports event with a dirty concession stand and an unqualified 14-year-old, that cheeseburger is like totally fair game. You know how you just have these beliefs inside? Well, one story that I'm a little bit known for around here is a belief that I had that I acted on In 2008, some of y'all have heard Josh and I's story, and I'll get a little bit more into it later in the message, but the Reader's Digest version is we got here to Seacoast very broken, really, really busted. Our marriage was struggling, and we were in need of a rescue. We were in need of some counseling. And so there was this incredible couple, Mac and Cindy Lake, that we had heard about and that offered to do counseling for us. So we were gonna come to their house every single week. They were gonna open up their home and just love on us and pour into us, invest in us. Well, the very first night we were going to their house, as you can imagine, I was so nervous. I, I was going over there, I was feeling these feelings of shame, we were about to get vulnerable, and we walk into their house, and there's all these pictures of their family everywhere, and I'm like, oh, I love your family. You know, that's like AKA to like, thanks for having us, you know, I'm so into you. (laughs) So I'm looking at all their family albums and pictures, and all of a sudden, I saw this one picture, and I literally grabbed my heart, and I said, oh my gosh, who is that beautiful woman? To which they looked at each other, and then they looked back at me, and they said, that would be our son, Brandon. Brandon Lake. (laughs) Brandon Lake. I can't, I still, I'm like, but come on, I'm like, you guys, you know, I I just, if you don't know who Brandon Lake is, he's a worship pastor here at this campus, he actually just won a Dove Award, so can we give it up for Brandon Lake? So amazing. I am sorry though, because you probably will always think about that story whenever you see his face anywhere on TV, that the young Brandon Lake reminded Katie of a very beautiful woman, and that happened. But you know, I ask you that question, like do you ever have these beliefs that you act on? And the answer is of course you do. Of course you do, because what we believe and what we know impacts every area of our life. It changes the way we live, it changes the things that we do. And see, Paul knows this. This is where we find the Church of the Colossians because they're starting to do these behaviors. They look a lot like perfectionism and perfection Christian living and they're having all these rules and laws and Pastor Josh Surratt is gonna go even more into that next week because the the rules and traditions they start living under is this word called legalism and it's actually a great enemy of our faith. But what, what we find here is that Paul doesn't go and just attack those actions. What he knows is that the things that they're striving for and the things that they're doing is an indicator that they've forgotten some of the core beliefs that their faith was founded on. They've forgotten the things they knew when they first believed. So this is what we find on our outline. It says the formula for fullness. And today we're gonna look at what I believe plus what I know and how that is gonna determine how I live. And if you look there on your outline, there's this one anchor passage that we're gonna be in most of the morning because it's one of those passages you're just reading through chapter two and it will like jump off the page at you. And it goes like this. It's Colossians 2, verse seven. And it says this, nope, verse six. It says, so then 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. You see, what we believe and what we know impacts every area of our life. So if you look there on your outline, the first point is what I believe. You know, that verse starts like this. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Do you remember when you first received Jesus? Were you eight years old, 12 years old, 24, 42? You know, for some of you, that, has, that moment hasn't even happened yet. And I'm believing that today could be that day. You've just been checking out church and we're so thankful you're here. And it might be the day for you like it was for me when I was 18 years old. But for others of us, can you go back and remember that day when you first received Jesus? You know, for me in my life in childhood and in adolescence, I had a lot of beliefs about God. Most of them were wrong, <laughs> but I started to kind of live my life based on those beliefs. Like I really thought, okay, there is a God and he probably had a son named Jesus, but he doesn't really want anything to do with me. And honestly, I don't want anything to do with him either, so we good. That's like literally what I thought. And I lived out of that. But I'll never forget the moment when everything changed for me. So I was 18 years old and I had just gotten to USC and I had gotten on the dance team. And because I was on the dance team, I wasn't able to rush any kind of sorority, but I loved a good party, you know what I'm saying? And I overheard these girls who said they were going to a party at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I thought to myself, well, since I'm an athlete now, obviously, because I'm on the dance team, I should probably check out that party, that fellowship event. I kind of totally dismissed the Christian part. And I went with this guy who was literally cussing the entire way there. And we got to the party and they set us on bleachers in a gymnasium, which I already thought was like a little bit odd. And then the music started and people started worshiping. And the guy and I looked at each other and then the guy let out aloud, what the beep, beep, beep. And I was like, oh gosh, this is what have we gotten ourselves into? This is not gonna be good. Well, all of a sudden, all I can tell you is the Spirit of God came down that night because the pastor got up and he started speaking and he started talking about John 3, 16. And I'd heard that verse before. He said, whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. But he said, do you know what that word belief means? And I was like, I mean, I don't know, I think so. And he said, well see, the thing about John 3, 16 is that he said this book right here is meant to be read in context. This book is meant to be read with understanding and you have to understand the verses surrounding other verses. If you just choose a verse and then try to live your life out of that, it could be a very dangerous life. But he said this verse is meant to be read with understanding and John 3, 16 is actually explained to us right before it in John 3, 14 and 15. And he said, John 3, 14 and 15, it says this, it's there on your outline, it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And he went on to unpack. He said, do you hear what's, what's happening here? This is a story from Exodus. And he said, during this time, there's the Israelite people and they're actually getting bitten by snakes. And as soon as they get bitten, they are dying immediately because there's no cure for these snake bites. 
He said, so what he has Moses do is fashion a snake out of bronze, put it on a pole, and then lift it up. And in that moment when it's lifted up, the people have to turn, they have to kneel, they have to believe with their life that this snake is a symbol that God wants to save them. And so they believe, they turn, they look at this snake, it's, it's a visible symbol of what is happening in the spiritual, this faith that we're supposed to have. It's a belief above all other beliefs. It's a belief that demands a response with our life. And he goes on to say that is what Jesus then becomes. He becomes the symbol, the spiritual symbol, just as he is risen up, that we are supposed to believe on him to be saved. You know, he unpacks John 6, verse 40, where he says, everyone who sees Jesus and believes in him will be saved. And he even talks about how that snake on a pole is still the symbol for any Red Cross doctor's office, the nurse's pins you see. We still see a picture of that snake on a pole that is the symbol of healing. And that's what Jesus has come to do for us. And y'all, it was just a message, words that came, but God interrupted my life in that moment. I honestly felt the presence of God. I left those bleachers. I run down to the front of this gym. I'm on my knees, so broken and busted. I remembered for the first time that there is a God who loved me. He, God did this, God towards me, that he wanted to save me, that it didn't matter what I had done, that he did care about me. All these things were happening. And you know, I had only been in college a couple weeks, but I can tell you it was already so dark that season. I was trying to fill my life with so many things. But God interrupted my life in that moment. I did nothing to deserve it. I will never, ever forget that moment on my knees. And you know, it's so counterintuitive, isn't it, to go back and remember this moment. There's so many times in worship, even now, when I'll be worried about a problem, fearful about something, or thinking about something that seems too big for me, and God will take me back to that moment, helpless, surrendered, on my knees. And you know, it's wild, this verse, when you think about it, because what he tells us there in Colossians is he says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, live your lives in him. He's saying, live like that. Do you know how much I didn't know in that moment? I didn't know anything about the church or serving God or the power of God in my life. All I knew is that Jesus loved me, that he had moved towards me and that he wanted to save me. And God tells us to live like that. You know, I don't know if there's a problem or there's something that you've come in here carrying that God wants to help you to go back to the beginning, back when you very first received him, helpless and surrendered. And he wants to remind you that that is what we believe. This message of the gospel was a move of God towards us, not the other way around. So it matters what I believe. And then the second thing there on your outline is that it also matters what I know. So it's what I believe plus what I know. And that verse goes on like this. It says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So he says, how do we, what do we know? You know, this moment of salvation, when we receive Jesus, oftentimes as Christians, we can stop there. 
and we don't remember what we know about God, who we are and who God is. And so that's when the verse goes on to tell us, how do we do this? We do this by being rooted and built up. You know, I love that word rooted because it's a past tense verb. It means once and for all. It means in that moment of salvation, we actually get our roots hidden with Christ, that we get to be now in God's family. That's who we are. We get to be a son and daughter of God. And you know, when I think about this verse, it reminds me of a story that's a little embarrassing to tell, but it's actually way more embarrassing for Josh than it is for me, so I'm gonna go ahead and tell it because y'all know I've been his sermon illustration for about 10 years now, so I think it's my turn. But in 2002, Josh and I, had Josh had just taken a position as head student pastor at a church out in Irmo. Shout out to the Irmo campus. And we were out there and the student ministry was growing. Josh had just built a student center. There was hundreds of kids coming and we were about to take our very first ski trip. And we were so excited because there was a lot of kids coming on the ski trip. The only problem was we didn't really have enough drivers to drive on the ski trip, so that meant that Josh or I were gonna have to drive. Well, the problem with that was number one, for me, like I'm not a good driver. I mean, you know those couples that debate like who's the worst driver in the family? That's not Josh and I, because see, my whole entire high school voted me as worst driver. That was my senior superlative. A thousand kids said this girl cannot drive. And Josh actually got voted best looking. So you see, I don't even bring it up because I'll say that and then he'll say he's the best looking. So it's not a debate we have. We just know I'm not a great driver. Okay, so I'm not really a great candidate. And then Josh could have driven, except for the only problem with him was that his license was suspended in North Carolina, the state that we are going to, yeah. You may ask why was his license suspended, the student pastor. Um, it was because he had a gotten a speeding ticket that he had forgotten to pay. Hashtag adulting at 20. You know what I'm saying? We weren't that great at it. We're still not that great at it, but we were definitely struggling then. So he didn't have a license. So we decided to make a wise 20-year-old decision that he would drive anyways. Because we thought, you know, at the end of the day, like it may be some jail time, but that's fine. You know, we can handle it. So Josh is driving, we're leaving the mountain, it's dark, it's snowing, and we're coming down the mountain, I'm in the passenger seat, and all of a sudden, you guess it, blue lights. So as we pull up to the stoplight, and the car comes to like a slow stop, in a move that only a very nimble 20-year-old married couple can make, Josh looks at me and says, switch. <laughs> Not kidding. In a hot moment, I hopped over to that driver's seat. He hops to the passenger seat. I roll down the window. I pull out my license. And I'm like, good evening, officer. And I give him that. I literally got off with almost just a warning. I mean, we were celebrating. We were high-fiving. We were like, teamwork makes the dream work, keeps you out of jail. You know, all the students were celebrating. That was until we got home and had to tell our pastor, and Josh got suspended for a week without pay. But, you know, so there was a mild consequence, but not really compared to not going to jail. It felt like a big win. But, you know, the reason why I think about that story and this verse is because of this. Why did Josh not have to go to jail? Because I took his place, and I had the document that was needed. I had the license. I had the certificate. 
And you know, church, this is what we know. This is what we stand on. It's that you and I don't have what it takes to get access into heaven. We don't have what it takes to be with a holy God. But there is a guy. There's a guy who decided to take our place. He did have what it takes. He had what was needed. He lived a sinless life. And he took our place in a moment. And so we now get to be in the passenger seat and he gives us access into heaven. He gives us permission to be with God. Because of that moment, because we get to be rooted and hidden with Christ, it's no longer us, but we get to take on the righteousness of God. And in that moment, we become approved, secure, redeemed, loved, daughters and sons of the king. In that moment, everything changes for us. And see, Paul has to remind the church of this because what happens is they stopped building on that foundation. They started living lives like that moment didn't even happen. They started living lives like they had to strive for something or they had to work their way for something or maybe they started taking credit for things. You know, we have to remember in the greatest victories of our life or the greatest defeats, you know, have you been a part of praying with somebody and they've received healing, passenger seat? Have you been a part of helping restore somebody's marriage, pray for them, counsel them, passenger seat? Or have you experienced a big defeat a moral failure, shame that feels like it could just take your soul, passenger seat. You still get access to heaven. You have a God who loves you. You are approved and you are secure. And this is the knowledge that we start to stand on. You know, another verse there on your outline, it says this, it says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3, 3, the very next chapter. That's why we love baptism around here. It's just that physical symbol that it's no longer us who lives, but it is Christ inside of us. This is what we know. This is what we stand on. And so Paul calls the church back to this. He says, you gotta remember that moment that you received salvation. You were helpless, you were broken, you didn't do anything to earn it. And then you gotta know, you gotta stand on the foundation of this truth that it is because Jesus, he's taken all of our debt. He's canceled it all on the cross. And we gotta know that now we stand secure, we stand loved, we stand approved because he's given us access to heaven. So we're rooted, we're built up, we're strengthened in that faith. You know, oftentimes I think, sometimes when we live in these actions, what God wants us to remember is that he really cares about the motivations of our heart. He really cares what we know and why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I think oftentimes I'm like, for the Church of the Colossians, some of the actions probably looked fairly decent. You know, it looked like they were going to certain church services or they were doing things the right way or they were setting high standards. But God knew that the heart behind them were wrong. You know, think about this, think about somebody that starts dieting and exercising and wanting to eat right. It could be two different reasons. You know, maybe you have one woman that just feels shame about herself. She feels unworthy. She's comparing herself to everybody else. She's doing it because she really hates her body. And so she's doing these actions out of that place. Or you have another person that knows the truth of scripture. There's a verse there on your outline. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, who you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 
Another person that says, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and I just wanna be prepared for good works. God, I'm already enough, I'm already loved, I'm already approved, and so I just wanna steward my body better. Those are very different motivations and the outcome are going to be different. The actions may look similar, but one person is gonna run out of strength and stamina. They're gonna start thinking worse thoughts about themselves and the other person is gonna walk forward in love. No fear. So God cares deeply about the inner motivations and the knowledge of our heart. And that's why he spends this time in Colossians 2 going back to the beginning to make sure they know, remember that moment that you received Jesus, you did nothing to earn it. It was a move of God towards you. And then remember the truth that you stand on, that it is because of a guy who gave you access to heaven, who took all of your sin upon himself. And then the last thing there on your outline is that it's what I believe plus what I know, and that determines how we live. That determines how we live. You know, the end of the verse says in Colossians 2-7, with overflow and thankfulness. Overflow and thankfulness. Do you ever feel like you're not living out of overflow? You feel a little bit empty, or you come into church and you're feeling discouraged, or you look around and you're like, I just don't know that I'm enjoying this like everybody else is. Or maybe if I just knew this secret, maybe these certain people have a secret that I don't. Maybe they've read these books or they have this group of friends or you start trying to fill your emptiness with other things versus the message of the gospel. You know, God tells us that it's what we believe and what we know that's gonna help us live in overflow and thankfulness. You know, the next verse I love in 13 and 15, it says, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, Jesus set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. You know, Jesus wants to put our enemy to open shame. He wants to triumph over him. And we do have an enemy. We talk a lot about John 10, 10. This says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, I have an enemy after my soul, and so do you. We also have our own selfish flesh and sinful desires. You know, that night when I got up off of my knees at the gymnasium, they handed me a Bible. And I walked home that night with a Bible in one hand and actually a cigarette in the other. And <laughs> I actually got to my dorm room and I rolled down my window and I had another cigarette, the same thing I'd been doing for a long time. Only this time it was different because I was holding my Bible. And in that moment, I started reading it. And for the first time in my whole life, I heard the voice of God. And I heard him say, Katie, if you'll throw that cigarette out, you're gonna see more clearly. It was that simple. And I literally threw that thing out the window and I've never touched another one since. And what I learned that night is that not only did I receive, that's right, you can clap for that. I'm telling you because it may seem like a small thing, those cigarettes, but I'm telling you, girl had been smoking since I was 14 and I was going to college, but I didn't tell my parents. I was pretty sure I was still gonna work in a gas station because that was the only place you could smoke. Like it definitely had a big hold on my life. So it may seem like a small thing, but it was a big thing. But so when I threw that out that night though, I learned that I knew I had received him in this broken state. But what I realized is that I was gonna also have some power of believing in him. He was gonna give me power to conquer my flesh. 
He was gonna give me the strength to obey. And that's what he wants us to understand about this life overflowing and thankful. It's that it's because of what we believed. We didn't do anything to earn it. But now because we have been seated with Christ, because we are approved, because we get access to heaven, we also get power over our enemy. We get power over our flesh. We get to live a life of freedom and abundance. He's gonna help us to obey, church. He's gonna help us to be strengthened. If there's something that you've been challenged by, an addiction, a depression, anxiety, anxiety, a wayward child, we get access to the God of the universe that is going to give us the strength that we need to live in overflow and thankfulness. You know, I love the end of that verse because it says that he's gonna put the enemy to open shame by triumphing over them. And see, the Colossian church would have known the language Paul was using in this verse because what they had back in that time during Rome was a Roman triumph. Many of you may have heard of this, but they had huge parades. As soon as a general would take a land, he would, they would dress in purple and gold, and they would have a massive parade, and this general would march through, and all trailing behind him was what they called the spoils of his victory. It was everything that he had conquered, people, items, everything would trail behind him in this massive parade. And Paul's using this language to remind us that we are hidden with Christ and that our lives are the spoils of his victory, that our enemy is gonna be put to open shame, that the things that were after us, the cigarettes, the depression, the anxiety, all the things that were after us in our life, they are gonna be trailing behind our king that we are sitting with. This is our God. And this is the power that we get to live in, the thankfulness, the overflow that our lives get to have. You know, Paul here in Colossians 2 is taking this church back to the beginning, back to the basics. And isn't there something so sweet about going back to the beginning of something? You know, several months, and a, months ago, Josh and I drove to Columbia, South Carolina, where we first met at the University of South Carolina, and we met Jesus there, we fell in love there. We were going to a concert, the Carters, at um, William. Williams Bryce, the Carters is Beyonce and Jay-Z, just in case anybody needs to know. They're better together, you know what I'm saying? It was really good. So we are going to this concert and we're driving all around Columbia and we're just reminiscing about who we were in the beginning, who we were in those days. Josh and I loved being serving in our church. There was a different worship service every night of the week. We had this ministry to Waffle House waitresses, that's what we called it, at 3 a.m. We were sitting in Waffle House and we would tell them about Jesus and they would come over and do a Bible study with us and you know during those days we thought we want to be missionaries we want seven kids and two llamas two llamas like who wants two llamas but now we have six kids and two dogs and we have to remind ourselves like this was the dream ish you know, like it was somebody's dream. It's a lot of work, but we dreamed it. And sometimes those seeds that are planted early on, they look a little different when they come up. You know what I'm saying? But there's something so sweet about going back to the beginning, about remembering those moments. Well, about 15 minutes down the road in Irmo was a different scene of our life. About 15 minutes down the road was an old church building. And that was the church where things really started to fall apart in our life. You know, I wonder if my own life was a lot like the Colossian church here, and maybe the actions looked good on the outside, but inside, I was not a woman of God. I didn't have any time or relationship with him, and things really started to get troublesome, and then our marriage started to fall apart, and 
That season, I can't even describe to you how broken and painful it was. And you know, we didn't drive to that church building that day, but if we would've, it would've brought about some different feelings of the beginning, but just as needed, just as helpful. Because you see, in that season, I learned that even though I had been walking with God for six or seven years, I didn't outgrow my need for a savior. I was still just as broken and helpless. I still needed God to move towards me. I still needed to remember that I was seated with him, that my shame could be erased. I remember coming to Seacoast the first time. I was at the North Charleston campus, and I remember thinking, like, I don't even know if church is gonna work for me anymore. I mean, it was a very, very tough season. But God, in that season, started to restore us. He reminded me of the truth that we'll never be snatched from his hand, that he's gonna give me power over my selfish desires. He's gonna give me power to obey. All the same things that we learned in that season that would have brought me back to the beginning are still just as needed today. And I don't know about the same could be true for you, whether you've been walking with him just a short time or a long time, and you need to remember these truths about the beginning. You know, a couple weeks ago, Josh was in a meeting and they started celebrating because the Irmo campus finally signed a lease on a building. And Irmo, we hope you're celebrating. Yeah, we can clap for that. They've been looking for one for so long. We're so excited for you. And as they started to describe this building, they said, and you know, there's this awesome student center that's been built. And so many students were gonna come to know Christ and Josh knew in that moment, that was our old church building. That was our old church building. And now it's gonna hold a life-giving church, our church, a Seacoast church. When Josh found that out, I immediately ran to Brian, the campus pastor there in Irmo, and I said, we need to have a marriage revival night. Josh and I need to come and speak. We're gonna see marriages restored, marriages healed, just like God did for us. I was so excited, that's right, it's so awesome. And you know, the thing I love about that is that Josh and I are the spoils of Christ's victory. And you are the spoils of Christ's victory. Your life is God's prize. You are hidden in Him. And there is nothing that He doesn't wanna overcome. There's no victory that's too great for Him. This is who we are, church. And for many of you, today is the first time that you're hearing this message of God's love, that you're hearing that there is a God who loves you. He cares about you so deeply. He does, it is so true. And it's a, it's a move of him towards you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. I wasn't looking for God that day when I was 18 years old. I wasn't doing anything right. God, in his grace, he comes and gives us this free gift that we get to accept. And so in just a few moments as we pray, I wanna pray for you. If today is the first time for you hearing that message of salvation, I wanna pray for you and let you ask God to come into your heart to receive that message of faith. And if for some of you have been walking with God for a long time, but you know that today's the day that he wants to remind you to bring you back to the beginning so that you can remember again his great love for you. I'm gonna pray for you today too. So if you'll bow with me all over this place. God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your presence. Lord, we don't wanna hurry past your presence. We thank you so much that you love us and that you are moving towards us. 
And so God, we just ask right now in this moment, if there's anyone here that just wants to ask you to come into their heart, Father, that you speak to them now. Let them know that all they have to do is believe that you love them, that you have come to rescue and save them. And as, you, as they invite you in this morning, God, they get access to heaven. They get to spend eternity with you. They get to walk and serve you. God, we thank you so much for each and every one this morning. And Lord, for those of us who may have been walking with you for a while, but sometimes we've forgotten, remind us, God, remind us of whose we are, that you love us, that we haven't outgrown our need for you, that we are just your children. God, let us receive again your amazing grace. We love you so much, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.